We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports venues and design. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. This is all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Alec Posley. Alec is the co-founder of Brooklyn Esports Arena. Brooklyn is New York's largest home for everything esports, video games, and tabletop. Before starting the venue, he was the director of marketing at Better Social, which builds tools for top internet creators and brands. He's also currently on the Next Gen Advisory Board of Hofstra University, their Center for Entrepreneurship, where he helps students build and scale their businesses. Thanks for joining us. Hey, brother. How are you? Good, good. You know, just glad that we got to have this. So, you know, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. You know, what was the first game you played and how'd you kind of get involved in esports? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. The first game I ever played, first game I consciously remember on anything console is probably Pokemon Red. Um, still to this day, diehard Crystal fan, Pokemon Red fan, um, Pokemon fan in general. So definitely had a lasting impression. Um, PC, my uncle actually used to have Counter-Strike installed in his work computer and anytime i'd go to visit him i'd, I'd play some of that so okay so but some I, classics you got there yeah i'm still probably as good at cs now as i was when i was like seven so not that much of an improvement hey those games are hard you know i'm the guy that lands at fortnite and just gets killed immediately without the gun or bullets just, <laughs> you know so i know how hard first person shooters can be if you don't shoot well <laughs> absolutely absolutely so, yeah, so how'd you kind of get involved like you know the esports and gaming side of stuff in a professional capacity yeah yeah absolutely so um been hosting lands you know with friends since middle school high school we actually had a really cool history teacher who's really into starcraft would let us you know host lands in the classroom after school and stuff like that um so you know we kind of fell in love with it there went to some local uh halo tournaments got a bit involved with some of that and uh, some of that organizing. Um, I grew up between here and LA, so kind of kind of back and forth, like half and half my whole life. Um, and so, I mean, I think one of the most important things growing up was, you know, gaming kind of connected me to like moving to new towns and meeting new friends. And, um, you know, something I always loved was going to local game shops. Um, 
you know, going to local like internet cafes and land centers and, and meeting new people, going to tournaments. So I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, you know, from the very beginning, I got really into MLG. MLG is kind of what got me into um, the whole more professional and, you know, more organized circuit scene. Um, Halo 2, to this day, still, I think, some of the best uh, competitive production out there um, from the, from those guys over at MLG. So, yeah, I mean, I got really into it there. You know, watching it, I think it was on, like, USA back then and, you know, catching VODs online. Um, I know and then they rolled out game battles. I had some friends who were competing in that. I wasn't as good. So, you know, we kind of, I played more on the casual side. Um, and then in college, um, I went to Hofstra uh, here on Long Island and uh, started working with some of like the esports club there and just, you know, we'd organized some things. We ended up with our, we started a, uh, Hofstra University Startups, which is like an entrepreneurship club, you know, focused on students building businesses and just kind of working on collaborating and honestly just hanging out with a bunch of like-minded people. But me and the president at the time, who now he works at Riot um, appropriately, and we were looking to do a fundraiser to get us to uh, Florida, which was a big trip. You know, the school gave a little bit of funding, not nearly enough for any of us to go or for all of us to go. And so we thought, what do people love? You know, we, we, you know, you see standard fundraising, like bake sales, stuff like that all the time, which is great, but we kind of wanted to try something a little new. Um, we, we ended up, I ended up dragging my TV down to the, uh, the student center there, brought the GameCube, set up some melee, $1 plays for the fundraiser, ended up having public safety get called on us because the line was just wrapped around from Inside the cafeteria, outside, et cetera, they brought those little those little dividers and those little gates, but hey, it was super, super successful. So that was, uh, I guess, more recently, ever since, you know, like middle school and high school, you know, organizing some, some events. Uh, ended up getting paired with my roommate, who at the time was working with Red Bull. We organized some collegiate events for them. Um, and then we started a business um, towards the end of school. Um, and the business is focused on building tools for online creators. So this is back in 20, I want to say 2015, um, built Tumblr was still kind of hot. So we were building tools for people to get their analytics, to schedule, to um, kind of more of the basic tools that, that weren't offered at the time. Then we started building some stuff for Instagram. We started looking into like YouTube and you know, I was with, I was with better for, for years and years, you know, the founder is still some of my best friends. Um, and just having a passion for gaming. And I was, you know, we were always trying to look for ways to, to kind of enter that creator scene. And um, that was kind of getting bigger and bigger on YouTube. Um, so we started working with, started working with some smaller creators and, and testing out some products for them. Um, you know, YouTube and Twitch has analytics pretty covered. So we were just kind of looking for, for other ways to enhance that. Um, about that time we were starting to look into those products. Uh, we, we can, t- we can talk about how Brooklyn started later, actually. Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely sounds like you've been around for this, you know, true transition from this grassroots approach. And you actually kind of seemed like you used it when you were at Hofstra being able to kind of activate the student body for this fundraiser and then further kind of growing to this next level with Red Bull, which, you know, as you mentioned, kind of brings you to almost like the next phase of, you know, your evolution. So tell us a little about Brooklyn. You know, tell us about the facility, the 
the specs, how many consoles, the hours. Give us the 411. What is this new venue about? Absolutely. Yeah. So we started working on this early 2019. I'm going to say like March or April 2019. So it's definitely been a little while. Um, we just from going around, you know, country growing up and, um, yeah, the New York scene is incredible. Um, you know, up until like Waypoint, you know, got built here, um, New York city alone was, was, was pretty deprived, um, of, you know, a good hub and a good community for, um, for everyone. So, uh, we, wanted to build something that we could find elements of that we we found that we're missing uh, in New York specifically. So, you know, kind of the irony is in New York, you have a lot of Broadway stages, beautiful facilities, right? But it's still really hard to find a good, you know, 40 plus foot competitive stage that's, you know, equipped, you know, NDI and just cabling and power and PCs. And so, one of the first things that we set out to do is find a space big enough where we could actually build a, a competitive, proper competitive stage, um, easily fit six v six. You know, have server, production room, everything kind of set up. Um, so we took this space, uh, five, about a little over five thousand square feet. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll give you the the audio walkthrough tour. Uh, so when you when you first walk in, we have a lounge. Uh, full bar, kitchen, uh, console gaming up front. So right now we're starting with 10 consoles throughout the space. Um, that'll grow. Right now we're kind of at, we started with a smaller capacity with COVID. Um, the whole left side of the venue is land center. So that a capacity will fit uh, 30 PCs. Then in the back back, we have the venue space. So seats over 100, stands probably over 150. Um, 6v6 stage, we have a couple 86-inch TVs around, two console stations on the left and right side. Um, We also have a dedicated team room, a private streaming room. Um, We kind of just wanted to build, you know, a couple of the things and and combined kind of the best of of all worlds. Um, In terms of tabletop, you know, we're big tabletop fans ourselves here. So, you know, we, we, we got some tables that we think are, are going to be good for that. Um, eventually, we'll get some gaming tables, grow into that. But, yeah, I mean, to start off, we're going to have 31 PCs, um, scale it up to about 50. Uh, 10 consoles, you know, probably double that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, the goal is really just to set out to build, you know, some things that we found were missing in New York and try to build, you know, the best home for the community that we can. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Amazing. So, you know, when does it open and what kind of events will you guys be hosting there? Sure, sure. Yeah. So opening, I know we were just talking about this a little bit before. When, when is this airing? It'll be in a few weeks, so, you know, we'll be okay. in June. Oh, yeah, so we're good, so we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to open, we're targeting right now to open the 24th. Um, have about three days for a slower launch and then do some do some good stuff on the weekend. Um, right now, we're kind of waiting to get back to, to land properly. So what we're planning is a bunch of online local series events. So we'll run out the full bracket and prize pool online, and then the top X players, teams, et cetera, will actually qualify for uh, in-person invitationals to be held uh, later this summer when, you know, vaccines are up and New York opens up a little bit, a little more safe um, and kind of the the right time to get back to land. Amazing. So, you know, what kind of games are you guys going to be able to play on, you know, the consoles and the PCs? How does that all work? Absolutely. Yeah. So anyone can come in. Um Sign up for an account through GG Leap, which is an incredible land center platform. Um, it's about $5 an hour. So if you buy more time, right, we have discounts. So for example, um, for $20, it's for $20, you get five hours, right? Um, so we actually, they actually have a pretty cool integration with Square. So people can either come in. Once you make the account, you can just come in, grab the equipment and you know, sit down, game with your friends. Um, for COVID, we are storing all the equipment. And then every time it comes in, we sanitize it. Every time it goes out, we sanitize it. Headsets are on a 24-hour rotation. Um, HyperX, our peripheral partner there, they've been incredible throughout all of this. Um, and yeah, so, you know, once you make an account for the first time, you come in, just log into the PC, grab some equipment, you know, uh, and start gaming. So, I mean, we're going to have... Everything from Valorant, Warzone, which will eat up our hard drives, <laughs> uh, you know, League, Dota, CS. Um, we'll try to get some some more legacy, maybe single player titles on there as uh, as demand insists. Um, we'll definitely throw some 2K on the on the PCs as well. You know, those will be on all the consoles, but you know, definitely definitely demand for 2K there, even on PC. So. Um, yeah, and then anyone can kind of choose their peripheral. So if you want to play keyboard and mouse on the PC, go for it. If you want to play the controller, go for it. Um, we have more than enough of that stuff in, in supply. So um, one one other thing, we, we do have memberships. They're totally optional. We just think it makes a lot of sense to, if, if you're going to be here more than twice a month, honestly, um, the $15 membership, automatically gives you $5 at the top of, or automatically gives you five hours at the top of each month. So that's also coupled with some food and beverage deals. Um, we have some, some partners here that are going to offer deals for members. Um, HyperX is giving 20% off to end, to all members um, speaking with some, some other partners as well to, to kind of see how we can see how we can uh, kind of make that a, a good, you know, a good deal. Um, we, I've always gone around to other land centers and I see memberships starting at like $50, $60. That's not something that I think really makes sense. Um, you know, I think it's, we kind of want to build good experiences too for, for members in the community. I mean, 
also not members, but I think that'll that that'll be a good addition. Yeah, you don't want it to be so cost prohibitive that it's like, okay, for me to spend twenty dollars a month to go and play a couple times, like that's great. That's how you're gonna foster community and get people in it. But if you set the bar too high, it might be hard to get the amount of people, especially at the beginning, to get the interest. Exactly. And then we also want to do something for um, you know, once we get our competitive circuits more going, uh, we want to do something there as well. So something probably similar like a competitor pass. So um you can just you have your your bracket spot and your tournament entries, you know, every single month. That's awesome. So, was there any reason why you pick, you know, Brooklyn, or is it just kind of the available space? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Brooklyn was just a place we felt like was a, a great center point. Um, you know, we're right along the L train, which we thought was a good, a pretty good space. You know, thank God they didn't shut it down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, Brooklyn has amazing community it's fairly easy to get to from the island um and you know we just we kind of want to tell you know stories here some like incredible uh players have come out of here and some incredible founders so uh, actually one of the first shows that we're going to be launching um in the middle of june is going to be all about interviewing you know people who have made an impact on the new york gaming scene so i know like you know hip-hop gamer obviously so it'd be great to like get someone like him you know who's who's helped laid a lot of foundation and has done a lot you know for the gaming scene in new york um you know get him to tell his story and um yeah i mean new york is like i said before it's been it was deprived for so long and it's funny because it's got to be one of the best communities and on top of that you know there's transportation here is great you know people can get around to different venues you can do a bunch of different stuff all in one night which you know coming some lived in some other cities that's that's a lot more difficult absolutely i think that you know you definitely kind of look at this from a different perspective and kind of want to get a little insight on you know when you're designing a land center you've mentioned you've you know been to a bunch of them all around so what are some of the most important things that a designer should be aware of you know things they got to make sure are done right yeah, sure, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I have I have a good amount of experience in running events and video production and some other things. One thing that like no one can really prepare you for until you do it is construction. So we we got this place when there was nothing. So we're actually in a, a in an old warehouse that's been converted, um, and we did everything from all the demising walls to chopping up the concrete to run electrical lines, make sure we have enough power, um, you know, all the way to plumbing. And so I definitely learned a lot about city permits. I learned a lot about, you know, um, kind of what it takes from, from the bottom to start from the very, very beginning of a building all the way through that process. Um, I mean, in terms of some advice and things that people always want to look out for, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but like expect the unexpected, you know, expect the city to, take longer than, than you expect to get permits, you know, um, you know, there's, it's kind of like that rule in production when like, you know, just kind of always be prepared. Um, yeah, I mean, make sure you're allocating, you know, enough power, um, and then some, you know, to, to kind of every room and how you set that up. And, you know, if you can get into a building, especially with, you know, we're running hundreds of lines here for, you know, cat six, um, cat seven and it's if you can get in with the walls open it's great we did most of our wiring then um but yeah i mean i'm you know the 
the actually the mayoral this will be a bit dated but the mayoral race um debate was last night in new york and something that one of the questions that came up and it was a topic for maybe 20 minutes was hey how do you make it easier for you know local businesses and like what's some of the like new york is kind of notorious for the city the city charging you for everything the city likes to do violations the city likes to do this so yeah i think i think there's there's a lot to learn you know um and there's a lot there's not as much of a of a handbook um as you'd expect so yeah i mean if anything in x project i would love to start a company that helps small businesses like navigate a lot of city stuff because it's it's expensive and a lot of it's not fair to be honest but Hey man, dealing with the government as someone who deals with the copyright office and the trademark, <laughs> you know, it, it's just part of it. This is the government officials, and they have certain regulations and certain things you have to deal with, and that's just what it is. But yeah, in terms absolutely. of you know, almost I always find what's unique is almost the design, the drapery, the lighting, the positioning. Like, what kind of things do you think if you, you know that you use when you were creating it, or that you noticed other people that you had that you liked, and that something that you think is really beneficial that maybe isn't as widely adopted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I mean, we have kind of a different style depending on where you are in the venue. Um, I think the front, we wanted to make a little bit more inviting to, you know, people who just want to come and maybe have a drink, watch some esports, kind of uh, maybe play some more casual games. So, you know, the, the design approach for the front was to kind of make it so... It could be a date night. You could bring a girl there and exactly. you guys can play Smash and play Mario. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, games definitely transcend. There are a lot of games that transcend a lot of those, uh, those like, those lines between coming in, clicking heads and CSGO and Valorant, and then being able to just come and hang out and, you know, maybe watch some 2K League Um you know, play some Mario Kart uh, and hang out. So the front is definitely designed a bit more um, to be a bit more inviting. Um, then you go down kind of the hallway. The left side, again, is, is you know, a lot of controlled lighting for the land center. So that's, that's super, super important. Um, and kind of even like during the time of day, like once you, you know, what is that light? Where is that light sitting at a certain time of day? Where is, you know... How does this wall reflect this and angle this? And um, so I think, yeah, that's, that's important. So we wanted to go with, you know, a pretty clean look in the, in the land room, same thing with the team room. Um, the team room is also going to be used for a podcast. So we kind of wanted to situate that in a way that would work well for, uh, you know, for both video and audio. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important to build, you know, a place that you'd want to hang out in too, right? And like that, you know, the community hopefully, you know, um, will enjoy, you know, with COVID, a lot of our setup is going to be like six feet apart and each, the PCs right now are six feet apart. And, um, you know, that definitely throws up design a little bit, but, you know, we have some plans. Um, also a thing with the city and it's not like, you know, the regulations and stuff like that, is not, you know, that's, that's there to protect people. That's important. It's more of like the processes, right? So I think, like you said, you deal with it all the time, you know, with the trademark office and um, just having someone come in there and like clean everything up a little bit for, uh, <laughs> for, for today would, would be nice, but it's kind of the same thing with uh, like if you're, you're public assembly, you know, you have to register with the fire department and get those permits signed off for egress and this and that. So, you know, your design is also a bit, um, 
a bit reliant on that, but that's for safety and regulation. So obviously that's incredibly important. Absolutely. So in terms of like the stage, is it you have all the competitors on stage and everyone sits in front of them or like, I know the 2K League, it was more of this arena setting where the players were in the middle and then you had people on either sides of them. So what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we have more of kind of the traditional stage. So it's team, little space, and then team. Um, yeah, I mean, the 2K League, that's, that studio is beautiful. Uh, they, they did a fantastic job there. Um, yeah, I mean, for us, we, we kind of have it set up more like a bit more like a traditional land. So, so it's like the Overwatch League stage looked like. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, we, we're putting up two bars as well in the back for any partners who want to do, you know, step-in repeats, um, things like that, backdrops or videos, you know, you know, sponsorship activations, things like that. So I think the biggest goal with any of it was trying to make it as modular as possible for any partners, anyone in the community who wants to come in and throw an event, Cool. You know, we love feedback. We're always open to th- feedback, how we can, you know, make events easier for you to run, um, you know, video production easier and this and that. But I think we did a pretty good, pretty good first run at, you know, making it as modular as possible. Um, we can move around all the stage desks so that can kind of be configured for everything from 3v3 to 1v1s to speed running to even we were talking about doing maybe some uh, D&D campaigns on stage. You know, we can host panels up here. So, um, yeah, the stages, you know, we'll, we'll define it more and more over time, but I think it's, it's going to be a good, uh, kind of good centerpiece and you can actually see it from pretty much anywhere in the venue. So if you're in the front, you know, having a drink, hanging out, you can actually see the back. Um, so, you know, you can kind of, kind of get a feel for what's going on. Amazing. I mean, I think that it's a, a well needed thing in the area coming from someone who, there really wasn't anything like this, as you mentioned, you know, there's starting to be some places, but I don't think they're on the scale of what you opened. And as you have more emphasis on in market gaming and just the development of a recreational scene, a competitive scene, and even a casual scene, having places that are equipped to add that production value will only make those events more enjoyable for the fans and more likely to, you know, come back again and to want to go back with their friends and, engage with you know the venue more absolutely yeah that's the hope um so yeah i know you kind of started to mention you know people that wanted to throw events so tell us a little bit about you know any tips for those who maybe want to host a, an event at the venue what do you kind of look for and a potential whether it's a tournament organizer or any kind of venue or event provider sure yeah absolutely so um love working with you know, community organizers, that's, that's one of the, one of the most fun parts, right. Um, is especially even some communities, right. Where like I might have a blind spot in, right. And I would love to see how we can throw something, uh, some great here. And, you know, I brought in some TOs in the area, they've seen the space and, you know, they brought in, they brought up things that, you know, we didn't even think of. And I was like, Oh, that'd be so cool. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, most important thing is, you know, coming in with that passion and that vision of, um, and again, um, email me anytime, you know, alec at brookland.com. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's working with, you know, t- local TOs and even like third-party TOs and larger TOs of just, you know, kind of what does that look like? What does the whole experience look like, you know, in terms of size of the bracket um, or event, you know, all the way to peripherals and, and kind of layout. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think probably one of the most important things is just just kind of being passionate and you know, even if it's a super, super small community, that's fine. I mean there's you know, this community's kind of for everything. So um I so would what's say that mean? like ten contestants, twenty, like give me some ideas. So yeah, if, yeah. You know, you're trying to throw an event there, we need to have fifty people for it to be competitive. What do you think is a good number that event organizers, especially more up and coming ones, should try to focus on to, you know, work with venues like yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean our capacity is like a couple hundred. Um and I would say it really depends because we we've 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 had uh meetups for some other podcast communities and and those were kind of just like hang out and get to know other people, grab food, grab drinks. And there's like hundreds to over a thousand people have showed up. And, um, you know, and then we've done smaller meetups, right. For, I remember looking for a cloud nine meetups when I first moved to New York and just like bars in the city or restaurants or anything like that. And, um, yeah, they'd always vary in sizes, but I think, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to host a tournament for a specific game, um, Definitely reach out to us. You know, we will make sure that we can, you know, follow the follow the guidelines. Um, you know, see how we can kind of help with pricing and see what that looks like. You know, we have some amazing partners here, HyperX and um, AOC Phillips. Um, and so, I mean, figuring out, you know, maybe some of those partners. You know, don't want to speak for them, but you know, they they've been great. They've been with the venue. So, you know, if you have sponsors, you know, that's kind of all things that we want to work into that, um, that fold as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're kind of open for kind of open for anything. So, I mean, I think that's really important for, you know, everyone out there that, you know, there's this venue that's willing to engage with different communities because as you said, you know, these games come and go, but the people that are fans of them, you know, they're not really going anywhere. If anything, they're going to tell their other two gamer friends and, you know, two becomes five becomes 10 becomes a hundred really quickly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even everything from, uh, you know, obviously more traditional esports to, you know, we're, we're planning right now a, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons event, which hopefully would be a lot of fun. But uh, it sounds I think awesome. You, you know, yeah, are you going to do Pokemon yeah. card events? We're going to have like, so tabletop. Tell us a little bit about that. What, you know, ping pong, air hockey, what, what tabletops are we talking? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so in in the front, we have everything from, you know, more, more board games, you know, from Uno, obviously Uno's, Uno's super hot right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, Uno to Jenga to, to checkers to chess. We got to have chess, right? I absolutely got to have chess. I, I threw an operation in there just cause it's been, it's been like a nostalgic staple for so long. Uh, and then everything from, you know, settlers, of Catan to D and D to, you know, we have a lot more titles from, you know, a lot of our team here, um, on staff love tabletop and and so they've they've picked out some really cool stuff um yeah but i mean we're even partnering with local you know kind of organizers uh on, in that realm to start kind of getting those so you know something something about tabletop too it can be if you don't have a group you know it can be really hard to get into that game because you you know you kind of need people to play a lot of these titles right um so we want to you know we want to have events where you know we're able to kind of match people up teach them the basics and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of organize everything in discord too. And so, um, people can start, you know, LFG for, you know, relatively any title. 
So when you guys are ready to put the Monopoly night together, you know, two playing with my wife, two people <laughs> just doesn't go. You, you need that three or four for it to really have merit and be a good Monopoly win. Exactly. I mean, we have we're, we're permitted to stay open until four a.m. You know, post COVID. So Mario or not Mario, uh, Monopoly may take that long. So we're in. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, so we'll shift a little bit, and you know, you told us a little bit about what you're doing at Hofstra. So tell us a little about your work on the. Advisory, the next gen advisory board for their entrepreneur center. You know, what is the center doing and how have you been involved in it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so back in my senior year, I want to say they, they started building a proper center for entrepreneurship at Hofstra. Um, we actually met with uh, the school's board and kind of walked through, you know, what we think would look really, really good in terms of helping students. Um, and then, you know, helping the school um, kind of kind of be a leader in the area. So they started building the Center for Entrepreneurship, started as like a beautiful 3,000 square foot space, elevated to a, I, I don't even know, it's, it's an entire ground floor of a, of a new business school building there. So it's, it's beautiful. They have a maker space, everything from 3D printers to drones to just advisors that are there on hand um, and they can kind of help out. Um, you know, if you want to run through, you know, a go-to-market strategy or just run through your business idea and be like, you know, how do I get started? Um, you know, Hofstra has been incredible with, you know, working with veterans. I think they did a $100,000 veterans challenge recently where, you know, you didn't even have to be a student. Um, so, yeah, so I... Um, my senior year was great. We started doing these, you know, business plan competitions and the school was super, super generous, you know, helping students both, you know, financially and, and connecting them with resources. So you saw a lot of really cool companies kind of take off. Um, and then uh, post-graduation, you know, I uh, definitely wanted to stay involved. So we started a next-gen advisory board, which is basically alumni that have, you know, started businesses and they're able to kind of give back, help mentor Um so that's that's been really really great. We've been organizing some some really cool events, some mentor sessions, uh, and it's. I mean, I really enjoy just seeing kind of that that spark and like that excitement, you know, for for people who have new businesses. Actually, someone who I met here who started the, well, I met him. He had an idea to start like a, a tabletop, uh, kind of like a tabletop cafe, and so I got paired. That's the door. Um, yeah, so I, I got paired with him um, for a mentorship session, and the team there was like, "Trust me, like you'll you'll realize why I paired him with you." And we talk, and so I mean, he was just so so excited about that, um, and that was you know we went to PAX together, and he's helping out with some events here. So I mean, I think that's just really really exciting um, for people to like in any way that I can help, right? Even just shed some small amount of knowledge um, to help someone's help someone kind of grow their business or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like. Even, uh, I guess that's one thing I forgot to mention here. Anyone who has any charities who'd love to partner with us here, that's a big thing that we want to focus on. Um, we're going to be doing a charity tournament actually in June. Uh, so that'll be great. Um, but I think that's also kind of that part of um, working at the center that I that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, amazing. I think that, you know, it's always nice when you're kind of starting to do things to give back and to be kind of talking to other people that are passionate because their passion kind of ignites yours and it lets you remember, like, oh, yeah, like, like I love that I'm doing this too. And it kind of – their energy just feeds you and it's just this kind of pollination that you both have. 
Exactly. Yeah. And there's some, I mean, there's some students working on some like incredible missions and um, like life changing, you know, businesses. So it's, it's, it's really good to see, to see that actually happening. Awesome. Well, you know, we've always got to give back to the future and, you know, what's kind of bring this all to the clues and what's the future for Brooklyn? You know, what do you kind of have lined up? Any unique things that you're excited for that'll be in the coming months and, you know, onward? Yeah, absolutely. So by the time this airs, this tournament may be done. So you can watch it on our, the VOD on our Twitch channel. Um, we're doing for the next few months, you know, as, uh, you know, COVID starts to get a little more under control, gets a little more, it gets a little safer out there. And until we can get back to land, uh, we're going to be doing some online tournaments. And so I think I mentioned, you know, we'll be doing some online tournaments in a varying range of games. And those will also act as qualifiers for people to, you know, come in for invitationals. Um, the brackets will be played out online, you know, so if you're not comfortable, you know, coming in just yet, um, you know, whenever lands open back up and no problem, you know, the full tournament will be played there. This is kind of like separate events. So we'll kind of focus on that. Um, and then in the fall, you know, we'll see kind of where the, the city lies, but we'd like to, to start some more recurring leagues, um, you know, get some more recurring stuff on the timeline. Uh, probably start with a small handful of games and, you know, we, we have some other plans. Uh, can't talk about, too early yet but by the end of the year we'll we'll have some pretty new uh, and exciting stuff kind of like beyond the beyond the walls here so awesome so yeah i mean i definitely see this is a you know a venue that people that want to host their own events or even some of the larger activations where if you're trying to do some of these more franchise or bigger ESL kind of events it might become a stop that's you know manageable and customizable that didn't really exist before Sure. Yeah. And I was actually just reading in your book, like that segment just on like larger events and everything. And yeah, you profiled it really well. So, I mean, it was, it was cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, yeah, it's great to be able to do an event at the Barclay Center or Staples Center, but you right. can't always get ten to 20,000 people to go to an event. And, right. you know, a couple hundred, five, a thousand, like there's still a great, a great critical mass and it can be an amazing event. You don't need tens of thousands of people for that. Exactly. And I think you have a lot of, a lot of really, you know, incredible companies working on building, you know, more or less like the future for, you know, kind of, uh, the funnel for, you know, competitive esports. So everything from like the little league parks of gaming to, you know, some larger stuff. So, I mean, like, you know, the team over at, uh, nerd street and belong, like it's gonna, it's gonna get pretty crazy in, I'm guessing every city across the world relatively soon. So yeah, it's yes. cool to see, man. It's yes, you know. we are bullish on rec esports and youth and collegiate and high yeah, school, yeah. and you know, it's just one of these things that is going to develop. And you know, having these kind of anchor institutions like yours, where you know kids can grow up using this top level equipment, where let's be real, most of us can't afford this super gaming computer that computer that's going to let you perform at the top level. Even if you have a really good computer, it's probably not going to be the level that you need to be that competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we spoke with, you know, the uh, Brooklyn borough president and some, uh, some other offices about just, you know, more the, you know, the, the professional development side of things. And yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's the same thing with you, right? Like you, 
I, I don't know if you thought you'd ever like end up here, you know, going down the path that you did for long. Oh, no, but... I do these interviews. I'm like, I, I didn't think I would be a lawyer doing, you know, talking about <laughs> Fortnite and Call of right. Duty and like, you know, teaching it where it's like, yeah, we're talking about Ninja and 100 Thieves and Team Liquid and yeah. subscriptions on Twitch. Like, I didn't know it's... subscriptions on Twitch were a thing, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, uh, there's so many opportunities out there. It's, you know, you can look at the NBA and, you know, what percentage of the total operations of the NBA are actual players. It's very, very small. I mean, you have from HR to, you know, to legal to, I mean, it's, you know, Dude, it's endless. On staff, you know, the concession stand and the people yeah. selling the tickets yeah. and doing all that. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's really cool to see. And I think it's going to be a really good, uh, really good future. Well, yeah. So, you know, I really like to end each episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Ooh, right now, Valorant. It's, it's with, with the, the way they've organized, you know, challengers, it's, it's been incredibly, incredibly fun to watch. Legacy, probably either Starcraft or actually, uh, uh wow anything like arena tournaments or you know okay. mdi and stuff like that yeah so i'm definitely a big starcraft and starcraft 2 guy i definitely nice. load up starcraft 2 every once in a while when i just feel like and it just came back to me it was like you know i looked at my account it was like 10 years between when i last played and then i picked it up again and i was like the hotkeys just came back to me and yeah it's just amazing <laughs> to feel that way yeah i'm hopeful honestly i'm really hopeful to get some uh some events going here some some starcraft events because it's i haven't seen any in a while oh, you know, no, I, i'm not that good but <laughs> we'll have to get you in here that we'll uh we'll figure that out so what's your favorite game to play right now i was i was playing classic for a while um pretty passively though i mean i guess I don't want to give all the credit to to Valorant, but yeah, I mean, probably Valorant, just being able to hop in. I, I picked up Overwatch again, you know, somewhat recently. So kind of ping pong between those two. But yeah, I, I, I really like what, you know, Riot's doing um, in terms of kind of keeping it fresh between agents and maps. And I think it's been a pretty good cycle. Yes, there's definitely a big interest in Valorant, and we're really excited to see where it goes. And, you know, finally, you know, who's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, let's see. It might, might have to be, might have to go with Master Chief or, uh, or Dom from, from Gears of War. I know those are kind of two, like, more on like the the darker side of things, but I mean, hey, those are yeah, great ones. You can't you can't go wrong yeah. with either of those. Yeah, or or Shadow or Knuckles from Sonic. I don't play a lot of Sonic games except for maybe Sonic Adventure Two. Fantastic game, but uh, yeah, in terms of design, unbelievable. Okay, so yeah, so you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was really insightful. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Twitter at uh, Arpanine A R P A N I N E. Um, it's kind of an ode to to the Pokemon um, on uh, on Discord. You know, Alec BKL one three one two. Feel free to shoot me a message. You know, uh, website brooklyn.com, You know, socials Brooklyn underscore NY. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Well, yeah, you know, everyone make sure to check out brooklandlan.com for, you know, their availabilities and what's going to be going on there because it sounds like there's going to be some amazing stuff. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Yeah.